Hello and welcome back to The Shower Show. I'm your host, Brett Shower. Today I am sitting down with Cami Snyder. Currently she is in charge of running a grief home based here in Greenville, Ohio. I ran across her page on socials and knew I needed to sit down with her and have this conversation. So here we are. Cami, welcome and thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me, Brett. Of course. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us the name of this house and why you started it? So the house that Lulu built is the name of our grief care home here in Greenville. And um, the reason we started it um, is in memory of our daughter, Lulu. She is our fifth child. She was born in um, 2010. And I guess the main reason is for people to be able to be together in their grief. We know that um, walking this journey out is... We don't want people to know that they're alone. We want people to know that they're not alone in their grief. Right. I will say that the house, the purpose of it is kind of twofold. Um, in the immediate need of loss, we feel like people are looking for a place to stay, maybe a place to have a meal. And it's kind of just that immediate care. The long term of loss is possibly people getting together to have grief care classes. And if we can do that, here in the house, kind of serve the people that are coming into the community by having a place to stay for free. And then the long term are those that are probably based here in our area and that they can come back and have um, be able to meet with others that are walking through similar stories of loss and uh, similar grief and be able to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll break all that down. Okay. But um, let's go back again to the birth. Um, were you, is this something that you expected? It is not. No. Um, we did not find out till after Lou was born, four days after she was born. Um, she was diagnosed with trisomy 18, which means she was born with um, an extra tiny minuscule chromosome, and um, which we say you know, changed her life and our lives forever. And um, so we were blessed to have her with us for 62 days here. We just loved on her and cared for her with, along with our four other children. After she passed away uh, in 2010, we, you know, just kind of were walking this out, not having any kind of loss like this that we had ever experienced. I think the biggest thing for me, as we had friends that had had loss and things like that, we I really felt um, a connection with grief and wanting to know, again, that we're not walking this out alone. Mm -hmm. So then is it's try, you said trice. Trisomy 18. Okay. So it's similar that... to um, like Down syndrome is trisomy 21. So it's similar to that, but it's, um, it definitely has more challenges and a um, shorter lifespan. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we had found out, like I said, four days after she was born. The, st the statistics that we were given um, were just uh, devastating. And so that was really kind of our main thing was just to walk one day at a time with her and um, do the best that we could caring for our other children at the same time and seeing what this looked like in the moment for our family. So then when you got that diagnosis, what were those like initial thoughts or feelings? Hmm. I honestly, wow, I haven't been back there for a while. I think, I mean, honestly, it was just um, probably shock, um, just surreal, like um, just trying to 
even understand what it meant. I mean, we literally came home from the hospital and had to Google what trisomy 18 was. I'd never heard of it. And um, so I think just, I, I remember early on, as I think about this, I remember, um, you know, starting to read stories of other families that had similar things. And um, I found myself a few days in really kind of reading and, and um, you know, getting really scared, of course. And I had to stop. I was like, I, I can't keep looking at other stories or, or um, you know, just focusing on that. I have to focus on my daughter. And so I know that that was huge for me to be able to turn that and be able to, um, again, just focus on our family and mm-hmm. our story and that one day at a time. And now, you know, 12 years later, as I think about that even now, that has been such a gift because that's now how we kind of walk out this side of our story is one day at a time and um, the gifts that we've been given even since then. Um, right. And so, again, doing that early on, not even knowing, um, but I think just knowing not to not to look at those stories and not to focus on on others, but what what we had the gift that we had in front of us. Yeah, I mean, it's also crazy because I was looking at the numbers and the chances of that case presenting itself is actually extremely rare, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, that's crazy. There was obviously, I mean, I don't know if you have a faith. We do. But I was like, well, God's really writing his story right here because the chances of this, that happening and then this happening now yeah. going back to the house. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that's been, definitely been one thing that, you know, we've been able to, to look at through this is that, um, you know, and I'll, I'll say to people, I think when you have a loss and through grief, you don't have to ask for, uh, sadness or, um, anger or, or hurt or even bitterness to come that like that stuff comes automatically, but looking for, um, you know, glimpses of, of hope and of treasures and of goodness that are sprinkled in is really kind of the challenge in all of that. So that's definitely not us doing that (laughs) or thinking that way at all. That's, um, that's definitely a gift from God. So, and that's what we felt too. I, I, the bottom, the bottom line of our story with Lulu is that, I truly believe, you know, she could have been given to any family and the fact that God chose us to be her parents, like that will never be taken away. Lulu is my daughter. And, um, so that is a gift that, um, I would never change. So then what, what, how was your family supporting you during that time? What did that look like? We have an amazing family and, um, an amazing support system. I would say that, that, that kind of has played into, even thinking how others walk through grief is knowing how much support we have and when we still feel so alone in our grief. You know, my husband Jason and I, I would think if anybody would have the same grief, if it would look the same, it should be us, right? It's our daughter. Mm-hmm. Like it, it would look the same. And it absolutely did not and does not. Knowing that and knowing, again, that people are still surrounding us and um, and are walking this out with us, how much support we have and how lonely that we feel, um, we know that that is, that is definitely a real thing. And so I would just say that, that we do really have a great su- support system. Mm-hmm. Um, they have walked from the beginning with us through right. this. So you were talking about handling grief. How do you handle it? Um, how did you handle it then versus now? What is what does that process look like? Because I'm sure it's evolved as as yeah, time has progressed, and absolutely. I know time heals things. But 
what I would say, how it's changed. I remember early on with our kids, you know, 12 years ago, our oldest was nine and and under. And so I remember we would have moments after Lulu passed away where the kids would um, want to sit down and talk about her and look at pictures and we would cry. And then five minutes later, they were up and running and playing. And I remember watching that and thinking, you know, this is how we do it. This is how you walk out grief. You don't ignore the pain and the hurt. I mean, you sit and you and you uh, feel it and you walk it out. Um, but then you get back up and you do what you need to do. And um, I will say that the other kid, my kids were definitely a great example of how to organically walk that out um, and really show me how to do it. So that's kind of how it was early on. And I think now it's more um, maybe surprises when I wouldn't expect it to feel a certain way or, or look a certain way, but it does. Um, it looks Looks different now this time and I would say now this far out as we're having other changes in our families we have two in college and two in mm. high school so those are like normal changes right right but you kind of grieve that kids are moving They're on moving and doing, on. Mm-hmm. yeah so that is a layer that kind of comes in as well because um you know that's that's part that's natural and that's that's normal but um it's all building on top of what grief is already there Right. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you have found helpful or have heard from having like these community events or having people come in? What have you heard um, them say that has been helpful Mm -hmm. for them? Because I know grief does look different for everyone. Absolutely. So a couple weeks ago, we just we did have a um, a grief care class here for the holidays. One thing that we had, we asked the people that came, you know, kind of what how does this feel for you kind of walking this out and how just being able to sit with others getting ready to go into Thanksgiving and and Christmas and things like that what what does that feel like for you and um, several of them responded with we are thankful to know that we're not walking alone in this and so I guess that's probably I know I've said it several times and I probably will say it forever is that just reminding people um, even when we feel like we're alone we're not walking this out alone and that there are others walking the same path. Yeah. Like when we feel alone, it's just that it's just a feeling like that's what it is. And there is someone that has experienced grief. And I mean, I would hope that you could find them and bear that with them. Absolutely. Again, kind of what what I think about with the kids not staying there, but getting up and and moving on. And maybe Mm -hmm. it is, maybe it's um, serving someone else in memory of your loved one, doing something with that. I think sometimes we feel like we have all this love when, when we have a loss. And what do we do with that? What do we do with this um, with this love now that we're, we're, that we're carrying? Finding that to remember our loved one, I think, is important too. Mm-hmm. Are there any good resources, maybe books or podcasts that you have found helpful? So I would say probably the one that comes to my mind was early on in the beginning. I had a very good friend that gave me a book called Holding On to Hope by Nancy Guthrie. I have a stack of those books that I give away um, whenever I have the opportunity, but that book was really good for me. Similar story. We ended up going down. They have a they have an opportunity. Her and her husband, um, I believe it's in Tennessee, where they have a weekend of respite for parents mm, that have lost mm-hmm. children. Jason and I were able to go away on that, and that still to this day. Uh, there are things that that I have tucked away from that weekend that just I know were um, were cornerstones and and just good a good foundation of what this next 
part of our story was going to look like. Yeah. A little pieces of something that you can hold on to. Yeah. Just yeah. keep with you. For sure. So grief can also be hard for someone that is supporting you because mm. we don't know exactly what we should be doing and what that looks like. Right. Were there things, what things have you found to be helpful? And even like, maybe it's something that we like, isn't communicated. So mm. the grieving person isn't saying, hey, I need this to be done, but that need is just being met. What are yeah. some things like that that we can do? So you're so right about that. That And even now, you know, walking this out, there's still, because there's nothing that we can say, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that, I mean, we know what, what that other person wants. So I, I've heard and I've read over and over just about, even if it's just small things, um, if you see something that you can do, for someone that you love and and you know we're gonna you're gonna know that person better than than others and so whether that is I, I remember reading a story about a lady who had a loss and she said her neighbor neighbor came over and I don't know if it was every day or what it was but came over and just swept her porch off and that was like she but this was this was her memory this is what she remembered about somebody coming and just taking the time the neighbor didn't stay and talk didn't you know anything mm-hmm. else but just to say you know i'm here and i do remember early on after lulu passed um, my mom told me to write out a list of things you know do a load of laundry go to the grocery store you know just small daily tasks daily, that yeah. we have and she said when somebody comes and asks hey what can i do for you pull that list out and ask them to do something on it. That way you're not feeling like you have to come up with something when your brain is completely mush at the time. And, um, but there are things that, you know, babysit the kids for an afternoon, you know, have those things kind of written down that you think that would help. And um, I remember that was such a good, that was such good advice to be able to have it ready to go and um, not feel like you have to come up with something when somebody says, Hey, what can I do? Right. Yeah. So there's no pressure there when the time comes when someone asks, what can I do? Right. So I want to pivot a little bit now and talk about the house. Okay. So this came out of a tragedy, the house that Lulu built. Can you tell us about that? What was that process like? And when did you decide you wanted to build? Or not build, but I guess also that was another question I had. Was this, did you guys buy this house? Was it donors? How, yeah, how did that right. work? Right. So we did. We bought this house. And really at the beginning, we weren't sure exactly what we were going to do. We live close by. And so one one early thought that I had was, how nice would it be to have a place where I can meet with other mothers that have gone through loss? That was really my first point, you know, because that is what I know. And um, and then I kept thinking, you know, I can do that at my li- in my living room. I can meet at a coffee shop, you know. It doesn't have to be a whole house. So so we had it and kind of knew that we were going to fix it up or what we were going to do. And um, we had some very dear friends that had a loss. It was a it was their three year old son. And I remember going up to the hospital before he passed away in the hospital with them. I mean, it was it was clear voice that said, this is what you're supposed to do with the house. Just like Lulu was, you know, this small, um, small little dream. That was kind of what the start of the house kind of my thought was with it. But looking at this three-year-old little boy that, you know, just days before was running and playing. Um, that's what this house is going to do. It's going to take off running and playing. It was just this, this small whisper of, you know, caring for those that are going through grief. And so I came home, um, from there and, and told Jason, I said, okay, this is what I feel like we're supposed to do with this, this ministry. And so, um, we started working on it and we had our first, 
it's called Grief and Gratitude Through the Holidays. And we we don't have that at the house, but we had it at a venue. And that was kind of the first year that we really kind of put it out there to people. And that's one thing with, with grief and I guess with anything is, you know, putting that out there. I mean, this is a it's, it's sacred. It's, it's a humbling space. And so I think when people kind of backtrack with this, I feel like when people allow you into that, that space, that's humbling because being with, with those that are walking out grief and are going through loss, I mean, that is real and raw. And so, so sharing this house at that first grief and gratitude with, um, with others and telling them our vision, you know, was scary. We kind we did have some donors come alongside and say, "Hey, we want to be a part of this and kind of help get this going." So we really started working on it, and we were able to open the house for Lulu's ninth birthday, which was in September of 2019. Okay, Um, yeah. So we opened the doors, and we didn't have our first family stay until January, actually, of 2020. So, but. Of course, then 2020 happened. 2020, yeah, man, <laughs> that was a ride. Right, and we weren't even thinking, you know, at the beginning, we're just like, what is this going to look like, you know, to be able to tell people this is what the house is, this is what it's for, how do we communicate that? And then, you know, the world shut down and we were like, okay. Um, so we ended up in the year of 2020, we were able to serve eight families here that first year in twenty. 21, we were able to serve 17 families that stayed here. And so far in 2022, we are, I think, about at 25 families. Um, so those are families that have come and um, stayed here. They can stay at the house for free during funeral services. Um, maybe there's a meal afterwards that they want to, they don't have a place to go to, um, a church to have it. So maybe they want to come back here and have a meal, things like that, that we can just kind of have it open for. So. So you talked about like actually presenting this to the community and uh, getting the word out there that you are starting this. Is this something that other people have done or is this something that you kind of kind of thought of? Yeah, so I haven't heard of it anywhere else. Um the people that I've talked to, I've, I've had people say, "Hey, so it's kind of like a Ronald McDonald house." I guess oh, that would probably mm-hmm. be similar, but other than that, I have not heard of anything like this and, you know, maybe it is out there somewhere, but um Something yeah. that yeah you guys started and yeah. really carried forth. Tell us a little bit about what it involves to uh, have a family here. How does that process work? Do they reach out to you through email, social media? What does that look like? Right. So the beginning, it was really kind of through local funeral homes. We've um, contacted them and let them know because they're kind of the first point of contact with families that are coming into the area who may be looking for a hotel or something like that. So you know, we let them know that this is available for our community. And so they were kind of that first year, really, that's where we got most of our families contacted that way. And so we just have kind of, I guess, what it looks like um, when we have them come, especially if it's like through the funeral home, we just have a keypad out back, I guess I can say that, <laughs> um, where they, they let themselves yeah. in. And we usually have a, um, a welcome basket set up for the family that has some local treats from our from our local community which um i think is nice to be able to show and also, support. i saw real quickly um on your website you had like little sponsorship things that you we could do. like sponsor like little baskets or we do receiving gifts yeah or something. thank you we do yeah yeah some different ways that way so being able to have a little bit of care from the community again just a little a little bit of um having them wrap their arms around them whether they know you know, these people are not, but just know that they're cared for as they're coming in. But since then, since kind of the beginning, it has definitely changed 
since even in 2021 and definitely this year, now we are having people that will just email us or again, reach out through social media Mm -hmm. um, or people that we may know that will just reach out. So now it's, it's any way that they can reach us. Yeah. 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 Obviously this is like a great looking place and we'll also have pictures for you guys. So go make sure to check that out on social media. Is this something that you designed yourself or did you have other people help you? I did. Yeah, I did. But I will, I do want to point out we're sitting here in the dining room. We do have three rooms in the house that were sponsored in memory of um, loved ones. So that is really special that we have, um, like one is called the Hudson room, one is called the Katie room Mm -hmm. and one is called the Grayson room. So we have some memories of of them to kind of be able to just help them be remembered as well in each of those rooms. Are there more rooms available? There are more rooms available. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so that means like getting a name after the room and then like, do you have any, like, can you have some personal input on what you want it to look like or maybe a favorite knickknack? So, yeah. So one of the things, so like I said, since we're sitting here in the Hudson room, I had asked Hudson's dad if he had anything that either so Hudson and Katie are brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And so if there was anything that they had written or something like that. So he brought letters to me, um, one that Hudson had written to his dad, and then one actually that Scott had written to Katie. So I had those blown up and put on, right, as you right, can see yeah. that there. And then they actually brought, we've got some um, picture albums that they brought of Hudson and Katie. Mm-hmm. We had those in there. And then Hudson was quite the hunter, I think. And so I ended right. up, I wanted to do like, I have the deer. The deer. Yeah. The antlers. And it was interesting when Scott um, said that, you know, he wanted to sponsor two rooms and he said, you know, you you choose the rooms. It's, it's fine with me. And so we ended up just choosing this room for Hudson. And then the living room is Katie's room. And when we brought everything in, I didn't know this, but we actually have a piano in the living room. And when Scott came to look at the rooms, he was like, did you know that Katie sings and plays music? And I had no idea. And so it was just me, like that that's the room that we chose and we didn't even have any idea about that. that. So, and there's the piano. connection. yeah. 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 I was also going to say in their living room, they have this little box of tissues or this house of tissues. I'm going to say that is really cool. I saw that on your social media and I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Where did you get yeah. that? Or is it? So we had those for our first, uh, the grief and gratitude through the holidays. Like I said, we, um, when we had the table set up, I wanted tissues mm. at, on each of the tables. And I honestly, I think I found those like on Amazon, but yeah, oh, it's okay. just a simple white house and out of the chimney is where the tissues come. So yeah. we have them in the house and then we take those every year actually to our grief and gratitude event tie in with like yeah. everything it's really yeah. cool um so bubbles also seem to play a large mm. part of your design can you tell us the thought behind that or is there is there yeah. a thought behind that yeah for sure so um i think that there's there's meaning behind everything mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so um back to lulu when we had her services our pastor had asked um if he could tell a story about how lives are kind of like bubbles. When you blow bubbles, some bubbles get really big and they last a long time and they float, you know, for a long time. And other bubbles you blow and they're really small and they pop quickly. And um, I loved that story, especially with having four young children that would be sitting in a funeral service. And um, I just thought that that was just perfect for what I would want to share about our two-month-old daughter. And so when he shared that story, um, after, after the service, we all went outside and blew bubbles. Mm. And so that has been kind of our, um, our connection and our, and our, um, 
are thinking of Lulu that way. And that's been neat because over time, there have definitely been moments where we see bubbles and it's just kind of a soft reminder just of, that hey, reminder, yeah. yeah, we were up in um, St. Joe, Lake mm-hmm. Michigan, and one summer with the kids. And I, it was probably a couple years after Lulu had passed away. And we were on the beach and I remember watching the kids all playing right by the water. And all of a sudden across the water comes these bubbles. And I look down a little ways and there's a family that are blowing bubbles there on the beach. And I just remember thinking, thank you for the sweet gift, the sweet you know reminder of um this is where, you know, this is where we are at. And so and then I've had friends who they'll text me, you know, they're doing their dishes and they're like, I was washing dishes and I saw a little bubble come up out of the sink and I just said, hi, Lulu, you know, so things like that, that yeah, just that, are good reminders. That connection point and something that is quite simple, but is mm-hmm. also so profound at the same time. It is. It is. So you have a bubble wall, is that correct? We do. Yeah. And um, did you design that? Who designed that? So there was a barn out there that we tore down and there was there was like this concrete wall and I remember thinking that's such a neat kind of piece out there and we were talking about getting bricks to put down in the ground where you know you've seen where people can put um, like in memory of and things like that little mm -hmm, stepping stones or something so we were thinking of ways that people could be connected to the home and, and be a part of it and help remember do something again for their loved one in memory of them and one of our good friends Melissa um she was actually, we were talking one day and she's like, what if you do something with bubbles? What if you like have a wall with bubbles? And when she said that, it, it took me back to, there was a few years before that, that Jason and I had been in Indianapolis and there's a little waterway and underneath there, there's this wall with a little girl who's blowing bubbles and a, a little silhouette of that. And in the bubbles are kind of um, pictures of, I think, downtown Indy, the, the cityscape, things like that. Right. And I had taken a picture of it because I'm like, you know, again, anything with bubbles, I'm just, I'm drawn to. And when Melissa, my friend said that, that's the immediate vision that I had. And so we have a good friend, Michael Glass, um, who does the paintings up on um, coffee pot windows and things like that and and more and other places as well. I had asked if he would come and do the silhouette painting of the little girl. So he came and did that. And then now we have the bubbles where people can purchase those in memory of loved ones. And then we have twice a year in the spring and the fall, we have a bubble wall evening where those individuals they can come the families they can come and they hang the bubble on the wall and um, have an opportunity to share about their loved one any memories that they have um, any favorite stories that they have and I think there's something important and special about being able to still say their name and still share favorite things about them no matter how long it's been to know somewhere that there's like a memorial of them and uh, just a remembrance of who they are for sure they're still alive yeah so take us back to the first family that stayed here. What was that like? Can you describe the feeling of what that was like? And even when they left, maybe. That's a really neat question. Um, I think, honestly, the only thing that I can remember from that. So obviously, we don't meet very many. We don't hardly right. meet anybody, really, um, because they come and stay. And then, and you know, then they come and go as they on their own. Um, but I remember, again, we do live close by. And so anytime as we were working on the house, when we were down here, obviously the lights were on and we were doing stuff. And then when we would leave, everything is shut off and, mm-hmm. you know, we go home. But I remember knowing, you know, this first family was coming. And um, when when they came that night, I remember seeing all the lights on in this house and thinking, 
this is it. This is what this is for, you know, for this family that's here, for the families that are coming, um, you know, to see life in this house and know that there, um, there are people coming, but the lights, the lights on in this house was what it did it for me. Yeah. I, I love it when you get that feeling of like, that was, I created this and then it, that's what happened and it was fulfilled and that's what it was. That's what I meant it to do. And that's now what it's supposed to look like. And it, it just does that. Yeah. Um, so another question I had is, do you guys accept volunteers? Is there a need? What can we, what, what has the community done for you or what can we do for you? Yeah. Again, the support, I, I know we, we hear a lot of, there is a lot of yuck out there, but I have to say we have an amazing community that has really kind of come alongside us and, and supported us with, with this. And so the volunteer thing I love, and we have people that ask about that a lot. It's kind of hard right now because with obviously families not knowing when they're coming mm. and sometimes it's like a day and hey, we, you know, is there a space for the family to come? So it could be a quick, pretty quick turnaround. So right now it is kind of just getting, getting in and getting it set up. I do have some people that come on a regular basis and will like just do a full cleaning for mm. me, which is great mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, um, whether or not, not like necessarily just after a family stays or whatever. So that has been really helpful. I do have an amazing, I take a moment here. I do have an amazing committee of, um, got to count about like six, six ladies that help with our events that we do, our evenings that we do. And they are, they are my tribe. They are definitely who sit around this table and, you know, think how can we serve our community? How can we love on those that are walking through grief? And so that is an amazing support. Um, volunteer group that that we have as well. That is probably I haven't thought that that part out completely because it is a little bit something sporadic. that's still in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still trying to understand that. So as we're wrapping up, are there any special traditions or things that you do to commemorate Lulu? And what does honoring the the memory of a loved one look like in your life? Hmm, that's good. Well, you know, I will say that it definitely the traditions and kind of. Um, remembering and honoring Lulu has definitely changed as, as our kids have grown, um, over time when they were all still little and at home, you know, we, we did a birthday for Mm. her and, um, we sang happy birthday and, um, ate cheesecake and, and did that. But that, that, you know, can change over time, just like, um, anything else as we continue to kind of grow and as life changes and things like that. Um, but on November 24th, which is her heaven birthday, we call it the day that she passed away. I definitely feel like even now, 12 years later, it's it's still a time, um, a day, even even week of where I feel like I just want just my husband and my kids close. I, I feel yeah. like that. That hasn't changed a lot. I mean, now we still do like this. So November 24th this year was Thanksgiving day and we spent it with our family and it was a beautiful day. It was, it was wonderful. And, um, there are times where, you know, on November 24th, I don't want to go out and do a lot of stuff. I just want to be close, be at home and, um, and kind of just feel those feelings. That's your day. And you want your family to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that may not be traditional or kind of answer that completely, but I feel like, um, those two, those two days, I've definitely over the years kind of to speak into that, I would say her birthday definitely feels more like let's, you know, let's go get a pizza. Let's do something Mm -hmm. fun. And then, um, the other day to just be able to 
to be together. To remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So three more questions before we go. Um, So kind of on a lighter note, do you have any good podcast recommendations? Do you listen to podcasts? (laughs) Um... So can I put a shout out for my son who's working on doing a podcast? So Simon, um, he is vlogging and um, thinking of kind of doing a podcast. He's a junior at Greenville High School um, and he is really into bodybuilding. And Mm, so that's mm -hmm. kind of his his avenue. Uh, It's Seymour 62. I think that's right. Okay. (laughs) Sorry if it's not Simon. Um, and so he's done a couple little things, but has talked about doing a podcast. So okay. I got to do a little shout out for him. The second question, where can we find you? The house that Lulu built is on Facebook and Instagram and at www.thehousethatlulubuilt.org. And um, yes, yeah, so you can find us there. So And yeah. if you guys also will have that linked in the show notes, so you can just go down there and click that. So for final questions, when people visit your home, what do you want them to walk away with? In our welcome letter that we have, we specifically say that, you know, we don't have any TVs in here. We don't have, we have a few clocks. We have a clock on the stove and a clock on the microwave, but no, no other clocks. And we were intentional about that because we wanted them while they're here to even be making memories, Mm -hmm. um, even in these moments, these hard moments and with the family that they're with, with their friends that they're with. And so my hope is when they go, when they go back to their homes, that, you know, six months later, a year later, two years later, when they are still walking this out because it is a continual walk, that they will hopefully remember back and think, you know, when I was when I was there for a day and I just had I was able to shut off my phone and, you know, just sit and read a book or, you know, play a game at the table and take some time. Um, my hope is that they will do that again, down the road as well, too, and take that time that um, I think may be needed as you continue to walk it out and to know that you can remember your loved one that way in just um, those moments and being able to to just sit and and I, I guess just sit and take that time. Yeah, and take remember. that time to be present and yeah. really understand yeah. and reflect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sitting down with me, Cammie. This has been such an honor. Thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate it.